up everybody we are back with another episode of the anyone under 30 podcast i'm your host case mcmahon with always your co-host keegan west this is the gold standard and we have um some family here in the studio we have carter west and dr jason west so these are some pretty distinguished people in my life and we thought we'd bring them on they'd be great guests on the show yeah so dr west carter how about you guys give us a brief introduction about who you are all right, I'll go first. Um, my name is Carter West. I'm 24 years old. I just uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences from Brigham Young University, Idaho. And right now I am pursuing a master's degree from Southern California University of Health Sciences. And my plan with that is to be able to um, be a DO uh, someday and engage in private practice and uh, I just love medicine. So. so real quick, Carter, can you define for our audience, what is an osteopath for the simple listener? <laughs> so this is, it's a doctor of osteopathic medicine, so someone that can be able to really help out with uh, neuromuscular skeletal stuff, uh, manipulation. Um, and I'd like to use that to do, you can engage in a couple of specialties, but I would like to engage in a uh, neuroscience or neurology um, uh, specialty. Okay, and then our also our distinguished guest is uh, Dr. Jason West, who is who is also my father. He's he's an excellent role model in my life. And uh, Dr. West, who are you? Where do you come from? And what's your specialty? So, Dr. Jason West, um, BYU Idaho class of ninety one, Utah State class of ninety six, Southern California University of Health Sciences class of two thousand. Central States University of Health Sciences class of 2006. So I've spent a lot of time in the um, program. Uh, and when I say program, butts in the seat. And I have an integrative medical clinic with multiple healthcare providers where we treat, we diagnose and treat and outline complex medical conditions. And the value that I can bring to the podcast is, is brain hacks. Okay, sounds pretty good. Um, what can you tell us? A little bit about uh, just hopping in. How long have you been in practice, Dr. West? I just crossed over two decades, 20 years in the trenches. All right. So for our listeners, is for people who are, um, who are currently chasing uh, college accreditation and also those who are entering into the workforce. Um, so Dr. West, what can you tell us about um, some, some do's and don'ts. Uh, I, I know that you mentioned that you want to talk a little bit about productivity and brain hacks. So what can you tell us about brain health? So out of all the things that come into the office, whether it's autoimmune, fatigue, infection, arthritis, fibromyalgia, uh, peripheral neuropathy, one of the things that you always ask people, what's the chief concern or chief complaint? And then what else is going on? And you know what everybody else is saying? Man, I'm tired. Brain fatigue, brain fog, I can't remember things. And I think that one of the like best books I've ever read is a book called Being Mortal. And, it's, and it really talks about how during the timeline of life, like you can't really reverse the aging process, but you certainly can slow down the aging process. And I think you can really keep your brain sharp. And there are so many things that I get to share with you guys that I wish I would have known as I was getting ready to go through school, um, like of how to really dial in mental stamina, mental focus, and memory recall. 
So do you think there's been times in your life where you've been a great student and a not so great student? Like, what does that look like for our listener? Oh, for sure. So back in the day, you know, I don't feel like it's that long ago, but, you know, late 80s (laughs) and you guys are, you know, minus 13, minus 15, et cetera, is when I started school. And so first of all, it's so just like if you want to have good grades, you just got to line up with your sole purpose. And what I mean by that is when you know there's a reason to learn things, um, like school becomes uh, definitively easier. So when I was at uh, Rick's, a.k.a. BYU-Idaho in the early days, like I knew I wanted to go into healthcare, but I wasn't really that dialed in. I was kind of like, whatever. You know, and then I went to, you know, to, I was, to the teacher, I was saying, like, just tell me what I need to know so that I can pass the class. Like I've totally missed the whole benefit and my dad was over there who's a fantastic healer and healthcare provider saying look you need business law you need statistics you need uh, contract law you like you need to run out of a business and I'm like I don't want to do that I just want to go to practice and uh, and now what happens is that stuff is so important but at 18 it wasn't important to me then I went on a mission to London South uh, represent and uh, came back I totally had a plan that I was going to get out of school. I wanted to be, you know, 28, 30 years old before I even considered finding, you know, the ladies. And uh, I met my wife, um, first person I met, and Logan, going to Utah State off my mission, and it was over. Like, that's, that's where quick. I was. Yeah, I, I got married a year later. So I got home in September of 93, got married in September of 94. And then it was, okay, this is serious. That, that's when school became very serious for me because now I have someone that is really depending on me. And, uh, and I, I hammered it, man. I, w- I, was, I had to get special permission. I took 23 credits uh, three quarters in a row each quarter or each semester and, and got it done. Okay, so it sounds like you have um, a wonderful and a little bit, uh, is, is eustress the right term, positive stress? Um, 23 credits, that I can't even fathom. I don't even want to think about yeah, it. I could never do that. How, how, what are some things that you did to get through that semester? Or, or you know, how, how Well, I can remember, that? so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you have 95, 96. Like, I was in class literally from 9 to 5 every day. Class time. Not, not like trying to study time. Excluding the homework and the books. Right, excluding the, the homework and the books. But, but again, my focus was like, hey, I got someone counting on me. And I got my life down. It's time to get after it. And then, all of a sudden, I started learning for a reason. And uh, and the learning for the reason is, how do I apply that? And I got into the doctoral program. And, and there was some frustrations, for sure, even in two doctoral programs and a, a diplomate program, a fellowship in oriental medicine program. Uh, you, there's some things where you just have to pay your dues. Like, you recognize, look... I'm not going to be using trigonometry in the healthcare provider. <laughs> I got to figure out. I'm not going to be using calculus. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff that I'll never use. However, it does open doors. And this is the discussion, Caden, that I've had with you of, look, it's, it can be frustrating to being, having to regurgitate and learn stuff that you don't think that you're going to lose. Use. It's just, it's annoying. But it opens those doors, allows for opportunity and now, at 48 years old, like, I can regurgitate so much anatomy and physiology and biology because it's important to me. Like, my biochemistry pathways 
my biochemistry understanding. It's, it's better now than it's ever been because now I have to apply it in what I do every day in helping people with complex and chronic health problems. So that's like, like when you, again, and, and I say, I'll say this a lot in, in your sole purpose. Once you line up with what's important to you, once you learn how to be who you are, if, if school's in that sole purpose, like it just changes, like it's a different existence. And, and that's what, like, a, it, it, it's so important to, to really do that. And one of my heroes in life is Mike Rowe. And I didn't, you know, he's the dirty jobs guy. And I didn't realize the importance of the statement. And I hope that you guys, like, understand it and, and put your arms around it because, like, this is it. Like, this is life right here. He said, we, we always tell kids that you should follow your passions. Follow your passions. I've told this to my kids. I've told it to Carter. I've told it to you. Like, that's horrible advice. Horrible. And, and yet everybody's, like, saying, oh, you'd be passionate. You're, follow your passions. Well, what if you're, like, you have something you're really passionate about and it doesn't make you any money? Like, don't follow that. What Mike Bro said, and this is the best life advice ever, find an opportunity and teach yourself to be passionate about that. And that's what I think we've done in healthcare is like, I got out of school and I totally believed that I did the wrong thing because I didn't really know how to help people. I just had a piece of paper that said, you're not a menace to society. And then once my dad said, hey, you, need, you have to teach yourself to be passionate about it. And now like, it's the thing where I love to go to work. It's not work to me. So I definitely agree uh, with that statement. Um, I, I hear people all the time say, do what you love. But from what I'm hearing from Micro and from you is love what you do. Is that correct? True. you got to find that thing. And then you teach yourself to love it. It's the same thing of like when you try something new. You know, I know so many people that are like, well, I tried this and I wasn't really good at it. So I stopped doing it. And I'm like, hold on just a second. Again, like the best life advice I've ever heard. Find the opportunity and teach yourself to be passionate about that. Sweet. So with your background and everything and your passion for what you do, what are some of those, let's, let's dive deep into these brain hacks now. What are some of the brain hacks you have for us? So the first thing, and uh, you know, one of my heroes sitting right next to me, uh, Carter's living this. He's figured it out. I'm going to let him talk to you about it. Is you guys, if you get on a schedule instead of like, having life reacting to life it, it brings power so carter tell tell people about the schedule because you got it dialed in so i really like what um dr west uh, my dad had said about his life with his undergrad because i wasn't really too structured uh doing my undergrad studies and that was literally just within two months ago that i was doing that um now i got started with a master's degree in so with my schedule, it's about 18 credits. So I'm doing a nine credit anatomy class, bio, uh, biochemistry, physiology. And one of the biggest things that they told me is, is saying like, hey, you need to get on a schedule and you need to keep a planner and all that. So one thing that I do for that is I still have to take the MCAT uh, later this year. So I wake up at six o'clock, 6.30 in the morning every day. And I start my day off with studying for that for at least a solid two hours okay and then the rest of the day i put into studying for uh, my master's program and it's helped out a bunch i really like my mornings some people work better at nights but i like you know a fresh brain to start off with 
So if I'm understanding correctly, it, I don't know if that's changed from your undergraduate to your graduate, but uh, from what I've been told, it's put three hours into a credit and you're taking 18 credits, so that's 54 hours a week. Is that correct? Do you think you spend that much time? How do you prioritize I, that time? I don't, I never really kept track. It just depends on what I need to put my time into, right? Now, there's some people where they say, all right, for every credit, like you said, Caden, you need to put in at least three hours of, of studying. Or if you did an hour of class, that's three hours of study for, for the week. I, I'm not sure how much I, I like that or, or believe that because if you have a bunch of classes and then you have, like, let's say, an anatomy test and a biochemistry test uh, coming up, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's most likely that you're going to be putting your time into uh, preparing for the next exam that you have coming up. So it, to me, it's it seems more subjective, but that's a pretty good rule to go by. But it just depends on what you need and what you, you feel like you need to spend your time on. Okay, so number one sounds like set a schedule. Are we all concrete on that? Okay. We are, and, and I just want to add a couple things to that. Like a lot of the rules that I would tell you for brain hacks and stuff are – it's about getting on a schedule. Go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time. And one of the biggest things that I teach people that works so good for brain health and brain hack is it's, it's so simple. Sometimes you have to unlearn people. I mean, that's not even good grammar. That's not even, it's horrible grammar. You have to get people to like take a step back because water is like so key. It lubricates mucous membranes. It's like, it's like the Tin Man on the Wizard of Oz. Like he's out of oil. And people get out of water. So that's one thing. Eating on a schedule is so important. And by the way, you guys, I spent 15 years in, in, in undergrad, two doctoral programs, a diplomate program, a fellowship program. And so I don't want it to come across as like, oh my gosh, he's so structured. He's so boring. He's such a prude. But I'm just telling you, like <laughs> if you want to dial in your brain, get your, get your butt on a schedule. Okay, so in terms of, is that, uh, I know for some of our listeners, and in fact, I've heard it, but I've been doing a great job of re-implementing this, but let's talk about breakfast. You've been doing a lot better. Yes, yeah. thank you, I appreciate that. Since we, we originally recorded this podcast, and then we lost the episode due to technical difficulties. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, Dr. West has roasted me on my morning schedule, and so I am becoming more accountable. So, Dr. West, can you touch a little bit on the importance of breakfast and the breakfast foods that you were mentioning. Okay, so one of the reasons why people don't eat breakfast is because they're doing life easy hard. And, and, and then what happens is, like, if you do it hard easy, like, it'd be, so school's the easy part, right? So the living life easy hard is like, I'm just going to do this, to, and I'll deal with it later. Like, uh, and one of the perfect examples is breakfast. Breakfast, skipping breakfast is living easy hard. I would rather sleep than eat. I'm behind, so I'm just going to grab something, some quick fuel, and I'm going to put it into my system. So I'm going to grab, you know, an energy drink. I'm going to grab a donut. I'm going to grab, you know, some orange juice and a bagel, and then you head off to school. A lot of times people aren't even doing that. They're not eating till lunch. And there was an Australian adolescent study. They took 2,000 kids that were basically in problems with the law. They were in Australian juvie system. And they split it down the middle and they put a thousand kids on eating the same thing. And the only difference was lunch, dinner before bed compared to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then they measured their cognitive function, which is their brain function, 
same calories, same protein, same everything. And you know what? The cognitive function test showed that there was an entire grade point difference in people that had breakfast versus starting at lunch. So you gotta, it's the same way as like having a car or a tractor or a motorcycle or something like that. Can you imagine getting up in the morning and then like knowing, hey, there's this gas tank is not full and then taking it over to the gas station and putting just like just a little couple squirts or a little bit of gas in it and then saying, hey, we're going to go perform. We're going to drive this tractor all day or we're going to drive, you know, a couple hundred miles in a car. And you know what happens? You're going to always have to pull over or you're going to run out of gas. It's not working. That's what we're doing when you skip breakfast. Shoot. So kids listening, eat your breakfast. What are some of those breakfast foods that we should be looking to eat? Well, the, the first thing is, so a shout out to Nancy Appleton, wrote a book called Lick the Sugar Habit and Sh- Suicide by Sugar, said, look, if you really want to destroy brain function, I mean, it's not like you're doing meth or something like that, but you're almost doing it. <laughs> if you get you're too much mind. refined white sugar into your system, particularly in the morning, there's 108 scientific ways that sugar ruins your health. So if you guys, for God's sakes, don't eat sugar. Now, here's what that means. Like, you got to put protein in your body and what that like to to put it in easier ways i guess is particularly um like if you get up in the morning you're like i just want to do something quick and so you get some you know cold cereal like seriously you throw away the cereal and eat the box at least you'll get some fiber like that's the the first recommendation if you want to function good it's proteins and fats and you can follow a paleo diet you can do a keto diet but it is so important your your body your brain is like a huge fire like it needs tons of energy to function right especially at a high level when you're when you're trying to put stuff in there for memory recall and understanding and remember your your brain access is like you're walking down a hall and and all the the hall is just all of these file cabinets and when you go to reach something in the file cabinet like if you're putting sugar in there it's like there's a fire in the hall you can't access stuff so it's all about protein, stick to your rib things, eggs, avocados, um, hot cooked foods. Um, there's nothing wrong with having like dinner at breakfast, you know, meat, vegetables, like complex carbs. What you want to stay away from is the fast acting sugar, it, the junk food, you know, the stuff that literally anything you're getting in a fast food re- restaurant. Like I hope that your listeners hear me, like you're just killing your brain. Okay, so real quick, it's, it sounds like we want a couple healthy fats with, with some healthy proteins. Uh, now, for, Dr. West, correct me if I'm wrong, but not all sugars are created equal. You want to stay away from white refined sugar, cane sugars, high fructose corn syrup. Is fruit okay? Or, are you allowed to eat fruit? What's going on there? Well, I think you can. Like, there's no issues with fruit um, as long as you're not bastardizing it. So bastardized fruit is like... Like a perfect example is this thing called orange juice. Like for the most people, they think, hey, orange juice is a good food. Yeah, it's, it's healthy. super healthy for me. <laughs> so pop a glass of OJ. Right. So <laughs> let me just think about that for a second. Like there's nothing wrong with oranges. Just eat the oranges. When you turn it into juice, it really is going to take that fructose that's coming in. It's going to step in and it's going to spike your blood sugar and your glycemic index. So don't do that. And by the way, just let's, let's just do some math. How many oranges does it take to make a glass of orange juice? Like I'm talking like eight ounces. Eight. 
Four. Yeah, about eight. Oh, let's go. Right. Let's go. <laughs> so think about this. Like if you're pounding 16 ounces of orange juice, that's the equivalent of, of literally eating like, you know, 16 oranges. And, and one, one way to really good gauge if you should be eating the food or not is does it have a shutoff valve? So like give me an example. Like how many apples can you eat? How many oranges can you eat? How many avocados can you eat? Like one, maybe two. How many Oreos can you eat? How many Doritos 16, are you? Sixteen. <laughs> no, <laughs> like so. Here's what happens. Like I, I know I, I was in college. Remember a decade and a half. Here's what happens: is you stop eating Oreos when they're gone. That is correct. That is a true statement. That, that is for so true. That is so true. <laughs> so here's a perfect example. Like you know, if you eat food and you, and you have a shutoff valve, like you get tired of it, it's a good food. Just use that. Okay. All right. So using accurate and organic fillers, right? Um, what are some, I, I think you touched on a little bit of uh, healthy fats, avocados, were there any other things that would be good for healthy fat? Well, I, here's a really easy example is if it is solid at room temperature, it's probably not that great for you with the exception of butter. I think butter is, is a healthy fat, but if you think about, you know, specific brands of peanut butter, never separates like and i have no you know uh, connections with adam's brand peanut butter but that stuff is rock solid protein as long as you don't have a peanut sensitivity because it separates like you want to have fats that are liquid at room temperature another consideration of course i say that but then i immediately was going to say chicken noodle soup and stew and stuff like that has animal lard in it it has animal fats in it and you know if you get you know, the chicken noodle soup or stew too cold, you're going to see some fat, you know, globules yeah. in it. But, like, that stuff is rock solid. So, uh, butter, avocados, coconut oil, pure virgin olive oil. Things that I would run away from is, you know, French fry fat, Crisco, margarine. And, and if, here's why, you guys. If, if it's not, if it doesn't turn into a liquid at body temperature, what, what do you think your body does with it? It's either going to try and push it out, clog up your liver and kidneys, or it's going to store it up on the 26,000 miles of vascular system, which we're storing it up inside, where that's where cardiovascular disease, arteriosclerosis and stuff comes from. It's, it's Velveeta cheese, man. Don't eat that stuff. Okay, so it sounds like you can really kickstart your day with breakfast, some really healthy um, proteins and fats. Um, breakfast is has been a huge change for me, and it's been a big help. What about... Uh, what's another thing we could bring up? Sleep? Is sleep pretty big in your world? What, is, what do you think of that? Well, if you can't sleep, you can't heal. So you can get away with it, you know, 20, 23, 25, you know, probably, I mean, 30. Uh, it's not a big deal to really push yourself to stay up and study for But I'm just telling you, all you're doing is robbing from your future health and, and paying for it now. And so if you get your body on a system where you're getting consistent sleep, like, we know that if you skip a night of sleep, it's the equivalent of you going out and get plastered with alcohol. It's, it's, you have a hangover. And lack of sleep is mo- more significant on cognitive function than, you know, having a, um, you know, a bunch of beer and stuff like that. Which, like, it really, it doesn't impair you a little bit. It's really, really causes brain dysfunction. So I got a question. So, like, people who have, like, can't fall asleep or like super night owls like I am, would it be wise to like take melatonin or NyQuil, stuff like that? Or does that like affect the brain patterns? 
Well, so what happened, how I would state that, like that's just a habit. That's a choice. You're being a night owl from a choice. I, I'm a, I used to be a night owl, and I've, I've totally changed my habits, and now I, I love mornings. I, we love to, I mean, I'm always up by 5, um, getting ready to do things. That's where, that's my golden time. That's where I write. That's where I produce videos. That's where I, I work and streamline the business. And so that's a choice. Night owls or morning boards is a choice. However, if you're getting sleep, a couple things to happen. If you can't fall asleep, a couple things are going on. Number one is uh, habit or conditioning, which, you know, I, we just did a big um, program. It's called the Hellness to Wellness program, where we take people that are living low, that are just like surviving, and we want to teach them how to be, thrive. And one of the things that we talked about is a barrier to healing. And one of the biggest barriers, because I used to think it was lifestyle, and it's not. That's number two. The number one barrier to to health, and it's the number one barrier to brain function, is addictions. You know, when you start talking about addictions, you immediately think, or at least I do, of some meth addict, you know, that's that's super skinny, he's crawling got a track arm, <laughs> yeah. crawling out of his skin, like he's tweaking, he's under an overpass somewhere, or she, or whatever. <laughs> but think about this. You guys, that's just one type of addiction. You, you ready for the other addictions? Hit us with it. Drama, stress, sugar, caffeine, sugar, chocolate, like everybody's addicted to something. Like I don't think that they're like if you look at anybody, and you get a good look at their life, no one it, it doesn't have something going on where we could literally kind of call it an addiction. But going back to Kason's question, the addiction is is like if, when you stay up at night, like you're pushing your neurotransmitters and your brain function to release epinephrine and norepinephrine and adrenaline. And you get kind of a little, buzz is probably too strong, but you get like a little bit of energy boost about that. Yes. It's the same way with breakfast. When you stress your body and you skip breakfast, people are like, I don't feel good in the morning. I don't feel good till about lunch. They're, they're unknowingly stressing their body so that it releases hormones so that they get a little buzz out of it. Like we, you just got to replan your life. And, and addictions are a big barrier to healing. And by the way, one of the best books I've ever written, Willpower Isn't Enough, or when I said written, ever read, Willpower Isn't Enough. And like kind of the summary of the book is like when your energy levels are high, that you don't have addiction problems, you don't like fall off the wall, you don't do stupid stuff when your energy levels are high. When your energy levels get low, that's when you look for a crutch, you look for chocolate, you look for caffeine, you look for alcohol, you look for sex, you look for all these different things to try to get your body like up before if you keep your energy levels up, then you can deal with addictions or bad lifestyle choices or whatever you want to call it. And also what happens, you guys, is all of a sudden the brain turns on and the brain links. All of a sudden, like, you can start studying and you don't have to study as hard and you can still remember stuff if you keep your energy levels up. So what about, uh, do you have anything for a nighttime ritual that helps Tell your brain, hey, we're shutting down. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Time to go night-night. Yeah, is there any things that, that you use there? Okay, so how I would answer that is it's all about the steps and the environment to get your body in bed. So I love to read. I read all the hours every day. I'm reading. Big shout-out to BJ Fogg. Wrote a book called Tiny Habits. And basically he said, look, doing big things is not difficult if you do easy things first, or you line up things. Like he said, for example, we know that exercise helps brain function. It helps your physiology. It helps your lymphatic system. I mean, the, 
It goes on and on and on. And one of the best times to exercise is in the morning. So he was talking with one of his clients and she's like, hey, you know what, I'm supposed to get up and go in the morning, but man, I just never can make it happen because I start worrying about my kids and then I check on my email then I start planning out my day. I was supposed to be exercising and I wasn't. And he said, well, you're making it too hard. Here's what you do. You do these tiny little habits that totally change your life. He's like, just make a commitment. I'm going to get up at, you know, let's just pick a time. Get up, get up at six. And my only goal is to get out of bed. And then if I put my, you know, workout gear and stuff like that on the bathroom counter or by the bed, then my next goal is I just want to put on my workout gear. And then after I do the workout gear, I just want to make myself walk down the hall. So he's like, just design a series of small little steps. And all of a sudden you're outside running or you're on the treadmill in your workout room. And that's the same way with going to bed. Like if you condition your body to do these little steps of saying, look, I'm going to start winding down. I'm going to get off my LED, my, my phone or my iPad when I go to bed. Then what happens is your, your physiology will totally change. And you can do the Benjamin Franklin thing. I mean, Benjamin Franklin, super smart guy. What's his crazy saying? At least I thought it was crazy when I first started going to school. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. (laughs) Like, here it is, 250 years later, and it's still, like, awesome advice. Carter's looking at us like he's got a thought. Let's hear it. So I like what Dr. West said about thoughts. Um, So I read a really life-changing book called Stick With It. It's by a, um, a neuroscientist based out of UCLA, uh, Dr. Sean D. Young. Um, he came up with an acronym called SCIENCE. Um, and so science meaning, so there's step ladders, community, how important it is, how easy it is, uh, using neurohacks, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And just like what Dr. West was saying, put your gym clothes on, have them out, get them ready before you work out in, in the morning. Put your put your running shoes right there, right beside your bed. Um, there's there's tricks that you can do. I mean, I don't believe in anyone when they say like I'm just not a m- morning person. I mean, there's you can definitely have some willpower, but willpower by itself isn't necessarily g- good enough. But you can have a little bit of help. You can have a little bit of planning, um, and you can implement these uh, neural hacks that remind you, hey, I need to go to bed, or hey, I need to wake up. This is the kind of stuff that I'm on track for in terms of studying for the rest of my life. I am fascinated by these things. So it sounds like we've got, we've got um, a couple book references here. Um, I know for me, uh, when I do it, journaling is awesome. If I'm able to write down Heck something, yeah. like it's an awesome release, and I'm able to just Put that aside and it honestly I, th- I think it helps with um, just winding down for the night and then it pushes me to go do something during the day to w- that's worth writing about right and so uh, I think journaling is a, b- a big one I don't know for you guys if, if that's no, I love journaling it allows me to connect my thoughts to words instead of just having all my thoughts up in my head just dangling around up there um, I love journaling because it's not for me basically personally it's for my posterity and for like oh what did dad do when he was my age and stuff like that and so yeah i love journaling well i think that uh, some some one of the best things about living life and helping your brain to function is to decompress stress so stress isn't 
a disease. It just makes everything worse. And being in college for you know a long time, you, know, you get stressed around midterms. You get stressed at finals. You get stressed in in relationships. You get stressed in your extra you know curricular activities. Like stress is a part of life. There's no motion, lotion, potion, pills, anything that gets rid of stress. But if you have a stress outlet, like again, it goes back to brain health, nervous system health, heart health, all of that. And so I've heard from people listening to music, playing music, um, exercise, uh, prayer, meditation. And out of all of those, you guys, it's, the, it's journaling. Journaling is the number one thing. I think right behind it is talking to yourself, which you, you think talking to yourself, some you know, crazy person cruising right out around. On the street. Right. Yeah, out on the I, street. I've got to talk about that one. <laughs> so, okay, so talking about But anyway, going back just real quick to on journaling, it connects your right side of your brain and your left side of the brain through the corpus callosum, which is the connection between concrete and abstract thought. And when you do that, it strengthens that pathway. So uh, the best of all of those worlds is journaling. And to Kaysen's point, like having your posterity look at your life, like that's just frosting. Like that's great. But it's for you that, that is it's why it's so important. And, and again, before I forget, like we got to talk about being you because I think that really helps not only for your study habits and for your brain health and for opportunities that you're passionate about, but it also allows you to truly live, not just exist. Yeah, so I, I liked how Dr. West talked, said, talking out loud to yourself. That is actually one of the most important study habits that I include. Oh, you do it all the time. It's I, great. And I honestly don't care how dumb it makes me look. You will see me in the studying room as I'm going through flashcards on my iPad or it, for anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, if I'm doing some sort of pathway or looking at some sort of diagram in the human body, I am literally talking it out having it up in my mind, just looking at it honestly does not help me out. Now, if I have someone there to talk to, that's great. But most of the time I don't. So talking it out has, is a really good uh, brain hack for helping you retain information. It's helped me out a bunch in my studies. Okay. I know for, for me, reading has definitely rubbed off from, um, I know it's one of my dad's passions and, and it's spilled over into my life and I love reading. Um, it reminds me of this quote, um, Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, shout out to the, the guy in the grave. He says, don't let school get in the way of your education. Dr. West, what do you think uh, self-education has played a role in your life? What does that look like? Well, I think it's the single most important investment in time and also the biggest payback, the biggest return on investment is self-education. And I think what... Um, School teaches you, and when I say structured, you know, brick and mortar school is really some kind of societal norms, and especially in healthcare, how to not be a menace to society. But it doesn't teach you how to be a healer, and it doesn't teach you how to be success. It gives you foundation, it opens doors. But when you invest in yourself with time, with money, and resources, it unlocks who you could be and your contributions to yourself your relationships, and, and I just think that's so critical. Like, you should always be investing in yourself first. I think that's the number one investment. No, number two is investing in your health, and then there's everything else. So you, then your health. You and your health. Okay. Caden, I Go have ahead. something. So for self-education, that's why I want to 
uh, pursue medicine. I, I got into self-help books um, in, in college, but then I transitioned more into more medical-based books about mind-gut connection, uh, meditation, and how it plays a part in healing. Um, and you need to like you need to learn what you need to in school just to get you know the piece of paper make sure that you're certified at whatever you're doing but there's this uh, one really good quote by um, albert einstein that i really like in terms of learning so imagination is more important than knowledge knowledge is limited whereas imagination embraces uh, the world stimulating progress uh, giving birth to evolution so i heard that one time and i'm like that's so true because if i learn something and my imagination is engaged. I, I wonder what I could do with it. I wonder about other things. If I'm learning about a, a pathway in, in biochemistry, I, and then I grasp the pathway, it makes me wonder about how can I apply this uh, clinically? Like, how can I try and, and do like a, a treatment for this? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that very hypothetically and very abstractly, because I mean, I'm not a doctor yet, but imagination is one of the most important things in my learning. It keeps me engaged rather than just doing rote memorization and, and boring learning. So if you can implement imagination into whatever you're doing, I, it really helps to stay engaged. Dr. West, what do you think, how can people um, align their self-purpose and what they want to do living their life for them? How does that produce an overall benefit in your opinion? Well, I think it's a huge factor in disease, huge. And what I mean by that is so many times we're conditioned to, you know, give to your family, give to your spouse, give to your religion, give to your community, give, give, give. And if, if there's anything else left, it's up to you. Like it's for you. Like that's the wrong way to do it. And, and that's countercultural. It's the same example. You get on the airplane. If the cabin depressurizes, what happens? is um, they say get your mask lined up for you and then you can help everybody else. It's the same way, like the virtue of selfishness, it doesn't mean that you have to be selfish or narcissistic. That's not what it means. What it means is if you are a good person on the inside, if you're a good person on the outside, like be good for yourself and then you can influence everybody. In my opinion, and this is just me talking, it's living the laws of health and being a healthcare provider. I don't think that you can be as good a healer as you could if you are smoking, if you're addicted to you know, some illicit drugs, if you're telling people that you should be healthy and then you're overweight. I just think that's incongruent and the message is not being communicated the way that it could be if everything lines up. And I think taking time to line and to be you and then saying, look, I'm going to live my life for me, not for society and, and not for my mom and dad and not for my, like I'm a living life for me. When you do live that in a way that is, is, is totally congruent with the light that you receive. I think that you become really powerful. I think you influence everybody around you in, in a positive way. And I think that it's your opportunity to really, really impact the world. So a yes or no, in your opinion, Dr. West, um, and if you would elaborate as well, but if, if you are able to um, put yourself first and if you're able to um, be able to 
you know, prioritize, do you think that directly affects someone's health or that directly affects their productivity as, as a person? No question. Like it, it, when you are congruent with your internal mission statements, and I know this is getting way out there, like you become healthy, but you also like, I think that that's, remember how we were talked at the beginning of you find an opportunity and you teach yourself to be passionate about it. That's where internal passion comes from is when you're really lining up saying, look, I really want to do this career, but, you know, my mom, my grandma, my dad want me to do, you know, X or Y or Z. And, and, and it becomes empowering when you say, like, this, this is what is available for me. Like, whether it's in sales or marketing or teaching or healthcare or law or entrepreneurship or small, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if that's what it is, like, you should totally do that. And then all of a sudden, that field, when you commit to that, becomes easy and it becomes fun. And then you don't have, like, you can assimilate stuff. Like in, in healthcare, so many times people say, well, how do you learn that? I didn't learn it. Like, it just assimilated. It just became, it, like, reading studies in biochemical pathways and, and minerals and nutrients and electron donors and Krebs cycle and electron transport chain, like, that, that's just part of me. It's, I don't have to learn it. I just absorb it. See, I knew what some of those words were from Bio 180. <laughs> I picked know. up some things. <laughs> so it sounds like it's just, you know, as, as you pick it up, it just comes into one, right? And so Dr. West, it sounds like uh, I, I'm gonna, I really enjoyed this episode. But for, for our listeners, it, it, to my understanding, I, I've read one of your books. You, you are a published author, correct? Yes, I have three books I'm really proud of. And then I, but I've written eight books and a couple of them, you know, I just had to get started, but I'm not exactly like, like they're kind of like do it yourself publications. I did write an Amazon bestseller. I just completed my eighth book, why we get sick and what to do about it. And, and yes, like that, that becomes powerful. Like for me, that's just a passion. It becomes powerful and it becomes liberating when you start to compile what's in your head. And again, this is, to me, this is a form of journaling. And, and, it be, and again, it's just, it's fun to do. Like, I, I don't go to work. I go and, and do something that, like, it gives me life. Okay, so we're about to sign off, everybody. But Carter and Dr. West, any parting words of advice that you would, your final say, what would you tell our listeners? Find some good habits. Habits um, has been something that I've, thought a lot about that's why I am uh, where, uh, where I am I think there's a physically a tangible part of um, habits and how they help out with your your physical emotional spiritual mental uh, well-being um, the I mean obviously the most important influence in my life uh, for uh, pursuing medicine has been uh, my dad and I've learned a couple things from him and like when I when I do that when I have someone uh, giving me an example, it helps me to pursue things further. I've loved what we've uh, talked about. It's been very uh, invigorating, and um, I encourage you all to, to try a thing or two in terms of your morning, night, daily routine. Maybe tweak something with your, with your eating and, and see what that does for you. All right, so my, my giveaway... I almost said my takeaway, but my giveaway from the podcast is this. Like, uh, get your body on a schedule, follow the rules of health, which is 
good food, get air, good water. Try and eat as healthy as possible. Get those good habits in sleep is so underrated for brain function. Schedule is so underrated for brain function. And then I just want everybody to listen to this. Like life or the universe gives you exactly what you're willing to put up with. So if you're willing to put up with mediocrity or if you're willing to put up with, you know, getting, you know, other relationships telling you what to do or you're, or people dictating to you, it's because you're willing to put up with it. So the freedom of that is to look at everything and then just line up and be like totally true to you and, 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 and live that uh, passion of finding opportunities, be passionate about it, take really good care of yourself and then like just get after it, go for it. Well, thank you Dr. West and Carter for being on the, the podcast today. Um, that's it for the episode, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. we had some excellent guests, excellent insights. Thank you guys for coming on. We really enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya.